0: This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to the Zoomer Weekend Review, brought to you by CARP, where you can meet like minded people fighting for a new vision of aging. Find out more at carp.ca.
1: Good afternoon and welcome to the Zoomer Week in Review, all things Zoomer worldwide. I'm Libby Snymer. What's next for King Charles and the royal family now that he's been diagnosed with cancer? And how reforming our system of clinical trials could help thousands of cancer patients. But first, here are your Zoomer headlines from around the world. Charles's cancer was discovered during an unrelated procedure, and the start of treatment followed immediately. This was a big contrast to the wait times faced by British patients. About a third of those referred by their GP have to wait more than four weeks for a diagnosis, and 35% only start treatment more than the recommended two months after first being referred. Are you contemplating a big dream purchase you've been thinking about for a long time? Many Zoomers, those with savings and an active lifestyle, go for it when they're between the ages of 65 and 75. But according to Yahoo Finance, there are seven dream purchases that American boomers say gave them buyer's remorse. Number one is a boat that requires substantial ongoing expenses. Next on the list is a luxury car. Followed by a recreational vehicle, a timeshare property, resort living, and lavish travel. Rounding out the list is impulse buying, as some retirees fill the time by buying things they don't need.
0: We're flying about 210 knots faster than I normally used to fly in my Air Force days.
1: At 102, a former Royal Air Force pilot took to the skies in a spitfire. Jack Hemmings, an ex-squadron leader with Britain's Air Force, is believed to be the oldest pilot to fly the World War II plane. His 20-minute flight in southern England this week was to raise money for a charity he co-founded nearly 80 years ago. The veteran said it was absolutely delighted being back behind the controls, though the ride was very bumpy. Hemmings was raising money for a humanitarian air service he helped launch after World War II. That song is heard daily on Zoomer Radio as the theme song for my show, Fight Back. The artists Sam and Dave were stars with the powerhouse Stax record label in Memphis. Stax and Detroit's Motown label are being celebrated as part of Black History Month. A free online show, Stax Meets Motown, was filmed at the historic Booker T. Washington High School in Memphis and features musicians playing hits from influential soul and R&B labels. The man known as Canada's most prolific police informant has died at the age of 89. Marvin the Weasel Elkind was a former chauffeur for notorious Teamsters boss Jimmy Hoffa, and he became friends with Muhammad Ali credentials, which helped him weasel his way into criminal gangs. He outlived most of the crooks he ratted out and collapsed quietly just seven weeks before his 90th birthday. I'm Libby Snymer, and those are your Zoomer headlines from around the world. There's been an outpouring of sympathy and support since King Charles revealed that he's been diagnosed with an undisclosed form of cancer. At the age of 75, he was finally putting his own stamp on the monarchy after ascending the throne in September 2022 following the death of his mother, Queen Elizabeth. I talked about the implications with Suzanne Boyd, editor-in-chief and publisher of Zoomer magazine and EverythingZoomer.com.
2: He takes the throne um, amidst a lot of concern that the British people wouldn't be behind him. He takes it really well. He does an unbelievable job. He, the monarchy is thriving, and then in the midst of all this... He gets this diagnosis, so it's it's very shocking, especially in terms of the arc of his story. And he seemed to be coming out on the other side of being happy. The the queen he loves by his side, the Harry, um, the Harry situation sort of tamped down and sort of at a nice even keel. And then out of nowhere comes this. And um, Prime Minister Sunak also announced that they caught it early. Um, he said that in an interview, and um, he sort of said it. <laughs> Prime Minister Sunak said it's good they caught it early, so He's, we can't he said confirm. That
1: he, that it was uh, I heard it quite murky, yeah, murky. murky.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think the fact that they haven't appointed councillors of state, that he said he'll be continuing to meet regularly with the Privy Council and with the Prime Minister, that he will be doing the red boxes, that he's working but it just, who knows what the treatment is or what it will take out of him. I think the fact that Prince Harry rushed home, it's it seems important that he did that and maybe it's serious that the fact he did that but maybe it's just time to see dad and this is a good Time to do it, to go see your dad when when you have a cancer announcement.
1: Well, any cancer diagnosis is serious, even Mm -hmm. the ones that are less. And I was thinking it's ironic, it's not prostate cancer, but Mm -hmm. that could have been a reasonably good outcome because that, if it's not an aggressive kind, has the highest survival rate of everything but thyroid cancer. You're very right about, it's kind of almost tragic uh, The whole story that he waits until
2: he's pretty old to Mm. get the job. He starts doing a good job and then Mm -hmm. this. Yes, and again, it's a shock because, I mean, the Windsor Jeans, it's the Queen Mother, 102 years old, never exercised, had her whatever she drank all day. (laughs) Um, The Queen was, you know, very fit, a horsewoman, that outdoor country life, Prince Mm -hmm. Philip, you know, that bracing sort of army type of activity well into their 90s. And I just wonder though, if something, if something like that had happened to Prince Philip in his 70s, would we have even known? Because mm-hmm. the palace is being so yeah. much more forthcoming than they used to be. And as I said, we didn't know that the Queen had blood cancer um, before she died.
1: So again, back to Harry,
2: mm-hmm. is this going to be the moment for the rapprochement? Well, I think that he and Charles had that before, you know they spoke on the birthdays the kids i i think um, they have always been in touch, but I think with William, it's still left to be seen. The reporting is that he met with his father last night. Harry there's, did. Yes, there's a picture of him leaving Clarence's house, maybe tonight or last night when he arrived. Apparently, they had a brief meeting. Then the Queen and King Charles were seen going to an event. There's no plans or sign that he would is going to meet with William or has met with William. But obviously, we don't know. Maybe they will meet. Maybe we just don't know. Um, but he is there and they, he has seen his father.
1: And do you see any possibility that he might get back into the royal fold and maybe take over some public-facing events? Do you see any possibility for that? Um, I
2: don't, but I think it could happen. I think um, he, when he gave interviews around Spare, he said he believes in the monarchy. He believes in the mission of the Commonwealth. He just thinks his father, his family needed to hear certain things, certain truths. But he's never been an anti-monarchist. Um, he went to the coronation. I think if Prince Harry said, I'm going to help my country and support the royal family at this time, I think people would absolutely love it. But I don't see that happening.
1: And uh, Princess Anne uh, considered the hardest working royal, but she doesn't have a profile to match that.
2: Well, I think, you know, she's become sort of a stealth fashion icon. When she turned seventy, there were many articles, including one in Zoomer magazine, about how she is the secret weapon of the monarchy. How even at her age, she does so many engagements. She's just like her mother in terms of hardworking, and because she's in her seventies. And then, at when a lot the, of
1: people are unbelievably healthy and active in yeah, their seventies, figure that. And anything else you want to leave us with, Suzanne?
2: Um, we wish good health to King Charles the Duchess of York, the Princess of Wales, and um, hopefully anyone suffering from health issues, hopefully it turns out as best it can and turns out well.
1: We hope so, too. Thank you so much, Suzanne Boyd. I really appreciate this. Thanks for having me. That was Suzanne Boyd, Editor-in-Chief and Publisher of Zoomer Magazine and EverythingZoomer.com. I'm Libby Zneimer and this is the Zoomer Week in Review. Coming up, how to help thousands of Canadian cancer patients.
0: You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, brought to you by CARP, offering members-only discounts that can save you thousands of dollars a year. Find out more at carp.ca.
1: In recent years, there have been huge innovations in cancer treatment, that target the disease with ever-increasing precision. Clinical trials are often the best or the only treatment option for cancer patients. But surgical oncologist Dr. Rebecca Auer argues they are outdated and need to be reimagined to help thousands of Canadians.
3: The system for clinical trials that we have now is very similar to the system that we had, let's say, three, four, five decades ago. And, um, and it... And it and it did work well. Um, but uh, what's happened over the last, you know, three to five decades is this incredible explosion in our understanding of cell biology, molecular biology, human physiology, and that's led to sort of an unprecedented number of novel Therapeutics, and in some cases immunotherapy, which is therapies that activate the immune system to, to target the cancer. And so um, what we used to think of as one disease, let's take, for example, breast cancer, we now understand is many different types, subtypes of these diseases, uh, based on kind of looking under the hood of the cancer cell and seeing what mutations that cancer cell might have. Um, And so we're trying to fit in this very vast number of different cancers now, some of which are really considered rare and ultra-rare diseases, um, into a clinical trial paradigm that was really designed for uh, looking at the effect of something in in an entire population.
1: I know of clinical trials that are trying to target a particular mutation. Uh, So what is the difficulty there? Number one, you have to test for the mutation. And currently, most
3: provinces don't have a comprehensive testing program to test patients' tumors for these molecular alterations to see if they're even eligible for a clinical trial. Then, let's say you do have the mutation, you find that you are eligible, there has to be a clinical trial in Canada that would allow you to participate. Problem is that many um, companies wouldn't open the trial in Canada because we aren't testing for them, so it would be very difficult to find those patients to put into a clinical trial. Also, uh, clinical trials have to be opened separately at every single site. So there might only be one site in Canada and you'd have to travel across the country
1: uh, to be able to participate. Uh, now, I'm, I'm probably spoiled. I've been treated at Princess Margaret and right. they do have all of that testing. And uh, uh, is, so is that just because that's one particular, very particular hospital? Uh, yeah, yeah.
3: That's right. So I think it is true that there's disparities across the country. Um, that testing that they provide you at Princess Margaret is not funded by the provincial government per se. So the provincial government at least in Ontario does fund certain molecular tests, but by and large the tests only if there is a drug that's already Health Canada approved that would um, be that you would be a candidate to get. So that wouldn't help you if you wanted to participate in a a clinical trial. Um, So, And different provinces have different tests that they do fund, and some provinces uh, fund less or more, depending on on their structure. And then certain hospitals, like Princess Margaret, may have, through philanthropy or through other uh, research initiatives, um, have an opportunity to provide patients more comprehensive molecular testing. So patients are getting it. Um, If they can't get it through a research protocol or or some kind of um, uh, philanthropy-funded protocol, then they can pay for it out of pocket. And how much is it?
1: Uh, it's pretty expensive, I gather.
3: The lowest price tag comes in around 1500 to maybe 2000 and then up to sort of 5000
1: So it's um, a lot of money for a lot of people.
3: It's a lot of money for a lot of people, and then you have to, in their current context, you have to sort of, as an oncologist, ask yourself, so why is this person spend a lot of money that I'm not sure they have. And we might find a mutation for which there's a drug available, but there's no clinical trial open in Canada, or there is. But we live in, you know, an hour north of Winnipeg and that trial's open when we open in Princess Margaret. And and you have some personal experience of this, right? I do, um, yeah, my husband was diagnosed with stage four, which which means very advanced, so spread. Um, Sorry to hear that. Biop- yeah, uh, thank you. Um, bile duct cancer, which is a rare cancer to begin with, I'm very grateful that uh, we have financial resources. But I also have the understanding as a, a cancer researcher and cancer uh, doctor. Uh, we paid for molecular testing. Um, we were able to uh, get access to immunotherapy, which is approved by Health Canada but not funded. Um, and we were able to um, go down to the U.S. and participate in a clinical trial down there and also get him a targeted agent. So he has um, a mutation in his tumor for which there is a drug uh, that is known to be highly effective. Not in this cancer, though. It hadn't been tested in this cancer because the incidence of this mutation in this rare cancer is about 4%. So now you're talking There's about 1,000 patients let's say in Canada were diagnosed with this cancer, maybe about um, 40 of them have this particular mutation. What I saw was that there are amazing possible treatments out there, and most Canadians can access them.
1: Is there anything else you'd like to leave us with?
3: I think we need to do these, these, uh, these clinical trials more efficiently. Uh, we need to be able to offer them not just to Princess Margaret, but across the country and, um, and that I think would help companies uh, decide to run a clinical trial in Canada because we have um, a, a unique opportunity in Canada to be able to capture patients through our uh, through our provincial health care system so if we were doing the testing we'd, we'd be able to know and, and hopefully be able to offer patients clinical trials and in um, more than just the most common Uh, Cancers and more than just the most common
1: mutations. Dr. Rebecca Auer, thank you so much for that. Thank you. That was Dr. Rebecca Auer, a surgical oncologist and director of cancer research at the Ottawa Hospital Research Institute. And that brings us to the end of this week's edition of the Zoomer Week in Review. I'm Libby Snymer. Thanks for joining me today. Be sure to come back next week to stay up to date with all things Zoomer worldwide.
0: Zoomer Week in Review is produced by Zeb Hadi, Christine Ross, and Paul Thomas. With technical production by Ian Robertson. Executive producer, Moses Nimer. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.